0: Welcome to the Perfect First Layer Podcast, a bi-weekly podcast where we answer questions from you, the 3D printing community. My name's Guy from Guy's Shop, and as always are my co- with me are my co-hosts, JJ and Nathan. Hello. 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 <laughs> oh just, it just makes me smile for some reason. <laughs> We do depend on your questions for this podcast. If you have one for our panel, please go to perfectfirstlayer.com, go to the submit page, and send it along. And we also have a Patreon. Right now, we only have one level. And we're simply asking for a small donation to help keep this podcast going. So please go to patreon.com forward slash perfectfirstlayer. So what do you got going on in the lab right now, JJ?
1: Well, currently of today, I've been printing a giant uh, cat geodesic dome. <laughs> Uh, it's an old model I'd seen on Thingiverse back forever ago, and we just got a new kitten. So I was like, well, I got to print something fun for it. Um, yeah.
0: Is that your first cat?
1: No, this is our second one.
0: I mean, do Um, you have, do you have like two at the same time? Yes,
1: we've got two. We've got two now. Two dogs and two cats now. Uh, we volunteer at this rescue and just the right cat came in, this cute little long hair, black cat. What so, what cuten,
0: what what kitten is not cute?
1: Exactly, yeah. You know? so. so so now we have two cats and two dogs, and I've been assembling this giant <laughs> little house for it.
0: It looks pretty cool. The, oh, the hole, yeah. the the entrance looks pretty small.
1: It's a it's a cats can fit through small holes. I don't it's know, also I don't it mind. mostly in a glow in the dark filament. Uh-huh. So I was really putting the K one C to the test, seeing how it could handle some. Very abrasive filament went through almost a kilogram of really uh, glow in the dark blue, so we'll see also how this tests it that side of things. yeah I'd be
2: curious to see what the
1: nozzle looks like like before and after all that yeah appears. I think I have a clip of what it looked like before, so I'll have to see if I can get a good comparison
0: that's uh one guy that's on YouTube, the guy from Britain. Uh, lost in Tech. He did a real good video where he got a real close up with these microscopes looking at the, the, the yeah, tips of the knobs.
1: Yeah, he got some good shots of those. He got some really good shots of those. Yeah.
2: He posted his uh, macro lens that he uses on Twitter, I think. And it's like five lenses glued together with like a bunch of spacers and stuff. So,
1: oh, nice. I
2: think he's getting really into it. So, yeah. Probably we'll see more out of that.
0: I don't know anything about photography. <laughs> well, that's pretty obvious, right?
2: So what do you got going on, Nathan? Um, I've been just checking out all the stuff Creality's been sending over. A lot of stuff? Well, there's the the K1C and the Ender-3 V3. So those all kind of got in this month. So I've been spending a lot of time looking at that. Also, I have the Artillery Sidewinder X4, which... Mm. Nice. it's i've been trying to get it to lay down perfect first layers but it's just not happening so maybe i need to send a, a submit a question to our panel and see if you guys can <laughs> figure it out Help probably me. not i don't yeah. like it i'm not i've tried story. everything i've been i've literally poured dozens of hours into it um multiple days of just tearing
1: things apart and replacing things and is and it everything. worth it that's to the point where it's like, uh, oh, I don't think it's going to happen.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I'm getting there. I'm going to try one last thing. Mm-hmm. So one something I noticed is that when I do my bed leveling at the beginning of the print, and you look in the console and clipper, it tells you what the Z offset probe readings are. So I told it to do each point five times for the mesh bed leveling. And when I look at the data, it's like, plus or minus 0.03 millimeters. So oh, I don't wow. know if that's,
1: huh. that seems really bad to me. Yeah. For a probe to repeatedly be probing that for much of discrepancy is pretty bad.
2: Right. So I'm thinking it must be, it's either some kind of electrical interference or the, the probe is just crappy. So I'm going to try a couple of things. I just got a, um, a new probe on order. So what I'm going to do is try plugging it in on the breakout board, like just replacing the, the stock um, probe. Is and it just then, like a
0: BL touch type probe? That well, you're it's, talking
2: about? it's an inductive probe. So okay. it's oh. the hmm. same one that they use on the Elegoo Neptune four and the, um, I think another brand uses them as well, but they're like a really small form factor one. The, uh, the actual inductive probe is like the size of uh, a Smartie or something.
0: Okay. Mm,
1: nice.
2: Or, or a Skittle or an M&M. <laughs> I don't know what the foreign equivalents of those are. Maybe a Haribo gummy bear. Um, but it's like a really compact unit, and I'm thinking that maybe they didn't get the highest quality inductive probe. So what I'm going to do is plug that in, see if that fixes it, and then if it doesn't fix it, then replace the run the wire all the way back like that comes with the inductive probe, because as far as I, as far as I know, don't those come with like a shielded wire usually? Mm-hmm. So, I think so yeah. So All maybe the way back
1: to the main board.
0: No.
2: Yeah. So like, I think it has a shielded wire and then most of them just plug it into the breakout board on mm, the hot yeah. end. So I guess there is that long segment of unshielded wire Anyways, I'm going to figure it out, see if that's the problem. If it's yeah. not, then I'm just going to be like, you know what, screw it. I'm just going to give you my thoughts on the printer. Yeah. This is the only part that might not be good. Well, I, uh, I like it.
0: Uh, I was telling t- Nathan last night I jumped in real quick. He was doing a live stream and I caught him having this conversation and showing little graphs and everything. it's very quick with the PowerPoint. Anyways, so it was showing how the, the as if a, your X or Y is bent, how it actually rotates the
2: head and how mm-hmm. that affects the difference between the nozzle and the bed. I thought it was very interesting. Yeah, and I've had a lot of yeah. good co- comments on that video, people t- telling me about all different types of ways that you can have error introduced into the hot end, uh, the measurement with the probes and stuff. Mm. Like It's really fascinating how you can have all these little sources of air if you do the math, you'll only find that it's off by like 0.01 or 0.02 millimeters. But if you get enough of those factors added up, that that can result in a failed first layer. Yeah. So yeah. the companies that are doing it right, you know, that always get the perfect first layer quality, they're, they're getting rid of those small little errors to the point where you get a good first layer. And it's something you can't really take for granted. There's still about half the printers on the market. fire them up and it's like let's do that first layer sheet test and they can't print it like perfectly consistently Mm -hmm. however i think that might be a bit of an unnecessary test i mean like i i've on this artillery x4 i literally just printed like a full build volume model and then i'm like okay let me see what the first layer looks like and the first layer kind of sucked and i'm like well does it really matter because it can print things and like, mm, do yeah. you really care about what the first layer looks like as long as it sticks?
0: Yeah, the, the the bottom layer has, or the first layer has a little bit under extrusion in one little area. It's like, uh, okay. Yeah, it worked. <laughs> okay. So yeah. There's that side. Yeah, totally. Just don't print there. Yeah. <laughs>
1: well, it's going to be a different spot next time. On my first printer, just uh, back before it had any auto-leveling, yeah, the bed was so bent. I was like, well, I just have to, I can only use like the middle of the print bed yeah. and I can't get close to the edges at all. And you just sort of working around these major limitations. Right. Yeah. So you either bend it by hand, get a hammer out,
2: or yeah. you can, uh what I did for one of my early printers was just use an extremely wide drilled out nozzle. So I just got the smallest drill bit I could find and drilled it out and that made it like a, Point six millimeter, no, maybe like a What's, one or two millimeter nozzle. Yeah, yeah, bigger <laughs> than <It's like, laughs>
1: that. Increase your first layer height, and yeah, it fixes most issues. <laughs> right, yeah.
0: That's funny.
1: That's funny.
0: All right. So, you guys ready for some questions?
1: Yeah, let's get yeah. to them.
0: All right. Is there anything else you guys want guy, to discuss?
1: do you have any? Uh, we didn't pose the question to you. What do you have going on? Uh, anything new um, or interesting? Your
0: no, nothing really. The same thing you guys are are doing, kind mm-hmm. of, but not really. Yeah. Um, I did get do a, a video on the Ender Three V Three Ke.
1: Ah, uh, yes, and, yeah. uh,
0: That was that was my big contribution to the uh, social media okay. world. So, anyways, so I've got a question here from Jeremiah, and he says. I, there's part of this question we get a lot, but there's another part of the question I don't think really discussed. And I think it's a good it's a good uh, topic. He says, I'm currently running an E5 S1 and E3 V2. I have a potential customer that requires the product to be temp stable on a hot vehicle. So he's talking ASA and I'm torn between. This that the other thing he lists about six printers, but also on there is the Rat Rig V Minion and the Voron V Zero. And he says I'm currently spending thirty minutes or so getting my print temper- print temperature up to this. Is a small Rat Rig or Voron farm a good idea? I think that is a really good question. Um, what, what do you think, JJ? What's your initial thoughts when you hear that?
1: So I've seen this p- question posed before, back when I was really looking into the Voron thing. And then after building one, and it takes you 40 to 80 hours to build a V-Zero. Definitely your first one is going to be... I'm sure if you were building 10 of them, you could get them faster and faster. Yeah. But... It takes gonna, a yeah. while. Yeah.
0: I mean, even a, a V0, if after you've built maybe a dozen of them or so, you could you may get one done in a day.
1: Yeah. If you're really lucky. If you're really lucky and fast. <laughs> really lucky. And buying the wires pre-crimped and all these things. Um it's a lot of work. Did you
0: crimp your own wires?
1: Yes, yeah, yeah. I pre-cut. Oh I cut and crimped every wire individually. <laughs> oh my god. And had but to re, recrimp a lot of them because
0: I, the the first thing I, I noticed on your your Voron Zero was the wire wire harness. Yes, uh, the
1: yeah, the loom.
0: I should say the wire loom,
1: the loom that I built. The for loom.
0: It. Yeah, it's and very it's the, very
1: impressive. Like, cable management and stuff. Yeah, and, yeah. I like um, that. it. That took a lot of extra time to because <laughs> it's individual wires and then paracord sleeving on it and stuff yeah. to try to make it look fancy. Yeah, it's fancy it's
0: pretty fancy
1: it's pretty fancy but fancy. It, it is took me a long time <laughs>
0: <laughs> i know nathan you've built a rat rig correct yeah. mm-hmm. and could you see yourself building 20 of those to start a print farm or even half a dozen
2: yeah or would, I mean, there,
0: or would there be better better option you
2: think all right so what you need to do is take the cost of the printer and then add the amount of hours you're gonna spend on it, setting it up, times how much you want to get paid. Yeah, and if that pay. ends up being like five times more expensive than an off-the-shelf printer, then I don't think any level of advantages that you'd get from a custom machine are really going to be worth it.
0: Well, I think yeah. I, I I think the the emotional part of me says, well, you know, I built it, I can fix it, I know all the parts. And most all those parts on those machines, it's all open source. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You yeah, you can find you can get parts for, for yeah. any of that stuff at any time. But if you get like a bamboo P ones something
2: goes. Eh. Just throw it in the trash and buy a new one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, really.
0: You know, one thing. Um, one thing. What I don't want. I don't want to hijack the question, but you know, we'll, we'll we'll talk about the bamboo power cord thing later. Um. But yeah, I, I, myself, I would probably get like something like the bamboo mm-hmm. just because I know if I plug it in, it's more than likely going to work and I'll get my time out of it before it does die.
1: I do think the, the Voron or rat rig, if it was to be a print farm, it would have to start as a hobby and you build a Voron and you, maybe you build another one then maybe you build another one and then turning, you happen to have several Vorons that you turn into a print farm. Yeah. But. Starting out building on after boron, it would be—it's uh, exhausting. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
2: and your your time um, when you're doing a hobby isn't really a cost. It's yes. yeah, the time you spend is what you get out of it. It's not like costing you money or or viewed as a bad thing to be spending a lot of extra time on something.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure,
0: but you know it. it you look at building some of this stuff, and it takes, like you said, it takes so long. But when you're sitting there doing it as a for business, you know that you're doing it because you want to get paid. You have a completely different attitude with how you do things, so you might get it done quicker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, when I'm when I'm in the in the shop on a Saturday afternoon, just because I got you know a couple three hours to kill, I'm just taking it easy. I'm just taking my time. Mm-hmm. thinking stuff through i'm in no hurry at all but if i know i gotta get that mach- i can't start making money until that machine's done i'm gonna move a lot faster
1: that's for sure yeah because i i mean anything. i had tv shows run you know watching tv in yeah. the background and yeah, you know yeah. taking my time if i don't, don't like a crimp i'll cut it and recrimp a different one <laughs> till i till i like it like, yeah you know.
0: just say just say no to crimping
1: <laughs> yeah And halfway through, I ordered a better crimper. And then I was like, dang it, (laughs) I should have started with this nice one.
2: Yeah, I think really it just comes down to how much time you want to spend on it. And with hobbies, a 20-hour build is kind of fun. If you're Mm -hmm. trying to get something done for work, then something that you unbox and you just start going with is better.
0: Mm -hmm. Now, if, if you're going to get something, you know, Take away the, the rat rig and the voron for a second, mm-hmm. or, or kit printers, so to speak. And you had a, a choice of you know the, the the four or five different machines that are in the four to five hundred dollar price range, four to six hundred dollar price range, let's say. Would there be one in particular
2: that stands out?
0: And if um, so, why?
2: Yeah. All right, I'll <laughs> list my kind of four top recommendations. So there's the K1, the Adventure 5M Pro, the Chidi X Plus 3. Have you changed
0: your mind on that?
2: I don't know. It's it seems good enough. <laughs> and the uh, Bamboo Lab P1S. Um, and the reason why I bring up the Chidi X, the Chidi X Plus 3 is because you mentioned something about high temperature materials and that one has an internal, uh, heater, which is kind of the, I think it's the only one on the market that's kind of in that price range. So in terms of producing high temperature parts, I think that would probably be more capable than any of the alternatives.
0: Mm -hmm. Would you, would you get a K one or a K one C
2: the new one? I'd probably get a K one C, just because that's the newer one, it comes with the camera and it's a little nicer, yeah personally, I had a little problem with the carbon fiber feeding and jamming in there, which you know was kind of annoying, but I think it might have just been a fluke because I've seen a lot of other people using it and not having too much issues and I wasn't having issues until I tried feeding that specific carbon fiber filament and uh you know hmm.
0: so it was user error. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say that. I should be able no, to... it's a joke. It I'm just I, I just... I jest. <laughs> I jest. I jest. I don't know. I, I do like the, the, the Chitty X-Max 3. I, I use that thing a hell of a lot. It's dependable. It's noisy. I'm glad it's out in the garage. <laughs> but it, it's been very dependable. It, it, once I had the, the, the problem cleared up with stuff sticking to the bed... It's been a tank, Hmm. Um, but uh, I do have a bamboo P one P that I've made into a P P1S, So with a different type of enclosure on it, that thing is pretty damn good too. Mm -hmm. And of course I like the K one. So
1: right. I have a solid answer on this one. Uh, I would, if I needed to do a print farm, I would get K one C's, um, Looking at current prices, if it's it's currently $30 more, I think the K1C is definitely worth it for that price. Um, and the batch processing. If batch processing is something you need to do, the K1 software, the Creality software is so much better for managing several printers. And if you have a file you need to keep reprinting. Like uh, printing this dome, I sliced several different files, sent them all to the printer, and then I could tell it, okay, print this file, and then go back and reprint this other file, and then print this other file. Um, the batch processing of it, and like, oh, I need to keep reprinting the same file. On Bamboo, there's just not a good way to do that.
2: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's you true. have to click the drop-down menu, and then you have like 40 printers there, and it's like, all right, which one of these do I yeah. need to
1: use? And you need to use the app to be able to go back to a historical file that yeah, you uploaded. Um, and that means it's on their cloud. And oh, so, everything's on their cloud. Um, so like if you're using proprietary files and stuff, like the local transfer is going to be more difficult using a micro SD than a full-size USB-A. Yeah. Um, a few benefits for purely batch printing but I think the K1C personally when trying to do that on this printer and then also trying to do some of the files on the P1P, I was like, Oh, this is so annoying.
0: You know, I don't I, I want to go down a, a different Avenue or down a rabbit hole, but I don't know much about any like print farm software. I mean, I've, I've seen the stuff in Creality print. I know Prusa has something that's basic hmm. uh, for their printers, but you know, is there a lot of software out? I would assume there, there would have to be. Software for this out there, right?
1: I don't know. I haven't looked into that, or I haven't heard about any. Even I don't really, know anything. I uh, think
2: there's professional software packages for sure, it, but, it but it's like um, it's not really relevant to me, so I don't I haven't really looked into <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> it's
0: probably it's probably like everything else now. It's subscription based, and they have a monthly price. Yeah, right? this probably. many printers is this much money, and just like the everybody that seems to be the new business model for. Business software, Mm -hmm. everything is monthly fees.
2: So, all right. Nothing else to add? Um, Not really. Yeah, that's about Mm. it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We got got a bunch of good questions to get to today, so.
0: Yeah. Um, On to the next one. And this one comes from James. And he says... For the prosumer and light industrial users, the possibility of using more technical plastic materials, metals, and continuous carbon fiber filament is very exciting. And I'm looking forward to the inevitable trickle down effect from the more serious users like aerospace and automotive manufacturing. I would love to see more content in that direction, but are any of you guys particularly interested in doing those higher capability machines or do you prefer to say strictly in the hobby area? Also, which of the more advanced 3D printing technologies do you think will be most likely to be affordable to the average consumer first?
2: Wow, that's a loaded question. Yeah.
1: It is, isn't it? I thought that was a great <laughs> Good <one>. Good. question. <laughs> do
2: you Who wants you want- to go first? Do you want to do something cool, or do you, are you just a hobbyist? Yeah. you
1: <laughs> you a real man?
2: well um i've i'm coming from the engineering side where i've used a couple like industrial 3d printing processes for projects i've worked on um for building like machines and equipment and stuff and the one that gets used most often is is the powder-based processes um Mm -hmm. at least for like something that you need relatively inexpensively that's relatively strong um the FDM processes aren't really as well tuned for that use just because the layer line separation is like a major like strength knockdown and you always have to worry about the layers splitting. So the powder based processes are a lot more homogenous material, like material property wise. And I think that's kind of like, if there was one that you'd want to get into next, that'd probably be it. It's probably the powder based processes.
0: Isn't it a lot of that, that metal?
2: Um, they do it with all sorts of materials. Like right. nylon is the most common one, but you also nylon. have metals. You, you have like aluminum, titanium, stainless steel, and copper that can all be done with a powder-based process. And those are like the most common ones nowadays, I think.
0: Does it do – how does it work? Is it like a magnetic thing or
2: it, – It just focuses a laser onto the powder, and that okay. melts it locally. It either centers so it, it put, or it. It puts
1: a it. layer of powder on top and then lasers some of that material, then puts more powder, lasers a little bit more material. Oh, okay.
0: So it's still it built with done. layers.
1: Yes. Sometimes. Sometimes.
2: <laughs> Usually, yeah. Typically. Yeah. There's also some other processes like directed energy deposition or uh, cold spray, where it's like, taking actual particles and spraying out at high speeds and depositing them on the surface of stuff. Um, if you've ever mm-hmm. used a grinder, like to grind metal tools or any type of metal stuff, you'll notice that there's like that slag pile that builds up where the, the little particles of metal shoot out. I don't know mm-hmm. if anyone else has seen yeah, this before. Yeah. But that's essentially what you're doing, except intentionally. You're like building up material hmm. by shooting little particles Either heated or cold, it doesn't really matter. That's
1: cool, yeah.
0: Which is, you know, you have this question here. It says, which of these advanced 3D printing technologies do you think will be most likely to be affordable to the average consumer
2: first? Um, Probably none of them. (laughs) Yeah. All
1: right. Well, moving
0: on. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I think it's really cool that they're getting cheaper so that if you wanted a 3D printed metal piece, you could sort of order that from uh PCB way or some, you know, some big company, um, send them an STL. They'll make it for, it's getting cheaper and cheaper to be able to make 3D printed metal parts. instead. I, of, I,
0: I hear that, but I have no idea how much it would be. I, I, I could look at a price that would say $50. I go, yeah, okay. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that's, that's expensive or uh-huh. cheap or I have no idea.
2: If you yeah. want a metal Benchy, it's like 60 to $300, depending on really? the process. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Why would you want a 3D? Why would you want a metal Benchy? I
2: don't What's know. To point? polish and put on your desk. You can? <laughs> <laughs> to give you can? Give to give yourself a first place trophy for most plastic wasted on Benchies <laughs> <laughs> um, really
0: that much. I had not, well, I, like I said, I had no idea. Mm-hmm.
2: There was one process that I thought was really interesting from a company called rapidia. It's R a P I D I a. And I actually interviewed them at, um, rapid TCT, which was a trade show doing sh- like showcasing industrial additive manufacturing. And, uh, it uses a paste gun to deposit like paste down into the shape that you want, and then like they a put big, it...
0: like a big glob of toothpaste.
2: Yeah, essentially, <laughs> it's the material they use is like super similar to the to solder paste. It's just like powdered metal mixed mm, with yeah. uh, some kind of liquid. So they lay the paste down, dry it out with a lamp, lay another layer of paste down, dry it out with a lamp. And you end up with parts that look really similar to uh, FDM parts. But then you put it into a, uh, a furnace and you heat it up and they center the metal into a solid piece. Mm. So sintering is, like, uh, is like a really common process when you're dealing with powders. Basically, you could heat something up until it melts to solidify it. But the problem is you lose the form of the object that you just made because it turns into a pool of liquid so instead there's you, that yeah that's <laughs> casting that's a, also a valid way to do it but uh you heat it up to like just below the melting point and the the powder will fuse together because of the surface energy of the molecules and all that stuff i don't think uh everyone wants to hear about but <laughs> you know, never yeah. know but yeah no, i'm that's interested really cool I, don't, I know so I know like, nothing about Is that, that the
1: stuff. one where the, then the powder goes away and you're left with just metal? Um, so the, the company
2: that I was looking at, Rapidia, they have a metal paste, and it's just mm-hmm. like water with a, a little bit of binder. Mm-hmm. So when they apply it and dry it out, it's like 99% metal, but oh, it's okay. like kind of solidified like a sugar cube into the shape that you want. The expensive part is the furnace. The furnaces are like ten thousand dollars. They need to be uh, flushed with a uh, inert gas and mm. heated up to like really high temperatures. So. How
0: much are the printers? Uh,
2: I'm not sure. The just rough. Yeah, probably Ball like park. ten to fifty thousand dollars. Somewhere but in that general range. You could make one at home. <laughs> you could convert an end three can you can can you buy the
0: parts you need from amazon
2: i think so yeah (laughs) just get some solder paste you could start your experiments using some Mm. soldering alloys and relatively Mm. low temperatures
0: if if you can't make it with parts you bought from amazon it cannot
2: be made yeah
1: amazon sells
2: everything they need to make an iron man movie except instead of being like locked in a cave he's He's locked in a place where he can only get Amazon packages delivered. <laughs> he builds yeah. a suit of armor, Amazon Man. That's funny. That's funny.
0: Listen, I I know nothing about this stuff, and you know I I like just being a hobbyist.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: and I'm 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 fine with that. Um, glass only holds so much water. I've got a lot of other stuff going on, so. I'm gonna keep it right where I yeah. am right now. I still, I still learn stuff every day, you yeah. know. Right. But um, the, with any hobby, you can—I like, I know I use that that word a lot—but you can go down a rabbit hole really easy in some of this stuff. Before you know it, a week has gone by, and you're you're still reading stuff and watching videos and doing all that. So I, I choose not to.
2: I think people on YouTube do a pretty good job of producing content that people want to watch and that people will consume. I've done content on hobby stuff and content on industrial stuff. And generally people want to see more hobby content on YouTube. Yeah, uh, it's entertainment. You, people yeah. want to be entertained. And it's yeah. More accessible. Yeah. But it's also entertaining to watch industrial processes. Have you ever seen how it's made?
1: Yeah. I think the, it's yeah, super cool to see those like ridiculous what's a what is a $100,000 3D printer work like, you know? Like yeah, but generally one, but
2: I think there's more of a market for hobby hobby content, which is mm-hmm. why people aren't doing the industrial stuff quite as much.
0: Well, I'm sure, you know, there's plenty of industrial 3D printer videos out there. It's just not showing up on your feed.
2: Yeah, I've, I have I seek them out and I All watch right. a lot of them. But, like, in terms of big personalities, like, you know, like, Sandlander, Sandlater, or CNC Kitchen, or 3D Printing Nerd, I mean, they all have access to industrial stuff, too, but they focus on the hobby machines, because that's where the market is that, you know, has general... uh, The 3D Printing community doesn't really involve industrial stuff quite as much.
0: Yeah.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. Because even
1: with, like, the K1C of like carbon fiber filament. It's like, do I need added strength? Like on PLA, I could always add an extra wall layer. Yeah. And, and the things can thing, get real strong with PLA.
2: If you look at the data sheets for um, PLA reinforced with carbon fiber, it's usually only like 10% stronger. So it's like, okay, so I have to buy a machine that has a special nozzle and I have to worry about it wearing out and spend twice as much on the filament. So I can get ten percent extra strength. Like, sorry, that's not worth it. Yeah. Is it
0: is it is it lighter than regular PLA?
2: Uh, it's probably it, about the same. It should device. be about the same. Okay. Maybe a tiny bit heavier, but I wouldn't expect to see any difference.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, I I have a, a roll that that carbon fiber filament also that the Polymaker PA six, something like that, mm. yeah. and I it's still sitting in the box. I have no reason to, I don't have anything I really need to make with it.
2: Right. Yeah. And if you, you know, wanted to make something safety critical, would you do it out of metal or wood or out for your 3d printer?
0: Oh, I'd, I'd make it out of bubble gum and bailing ah, Okay, <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, it depends on what I'm making. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, all of I the just, above. Metal's always better in my opinion. And just like, the conventional processes I like more because like, there's so much that we don't understand about what happens to parts when they get processed and how they might warp or change shape. And it's like, well, maybe I'll get it 3D printed out of metal, but then I'll have to do pro- post-process machining anyways. So why not just machine it out of a block of aluminum? That's like super reliable and known material properties.
0: Yeah, that is mm-hmm. uh, That is the thing. I have milled aluminum on my CNC before.
2: Mm-hmm
0: so it's I wonder about what the, the the tolerances of that versus the CNC is having something 3d printed at PCB way for 50 bucks you know what I mean yeah mm-hmm. I can see maybe if you had a 3d printed it was you know five hundred dollars but like a 50 60 dollar item is the tolerance are the tolerances pretty good for that stuff
2: um that's interesting I don't know yeah, they're they're generally pretty good. The thing is that you have to worry about with large metal 3D printed parts is they warp a lot. So yeah. you think you have bad warping with your, you oh, know, your yeah. PLA parts when you're melting metal or, or getting close to the melting point of like, I don't know how many hundreds of degrees and then cooling it back down. Like that adds a whole nother, like you, you have to worry about thermal contraction and expansion yeah. and stuff. Mm -hmm. and you want it to be flat but it's never flat like these are all issues you have to worry about and it's it's just like you really have to get into it and have a good motivation and reason for having the part made out of metal usually the case is in industry is you have a part that's conventionally machined you know like with a cnc machine and then you're like well this part costs us ten thousand dollars a piece so what happened if what would happen if we 3d printed it It's not very common for them to just be like, right off the bat, be like, let's get this 3D printed just because um, 3D printing is kind of like an alternative to uh, subtractive manufacturing. Mm -hmm. It's not really like the go-to way to make things.
1: (laughs) Yeah, or if it's impossible... With normal manufacturing methods, like you want more complex internal structures to things, mm-hmm. and then it's like, well, then we we can't machine internal structure into this part. Um, it would be way better and easier and more complexities that we could add to it if we just metal three D printed this part.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I so I, I just don't know. I don't know anything about it. <laughs> it's going to be interesting.
1: But yeah, if you got cheaper and cheaper where you could metal 3D print a Benchy for 15 bucks or something, you know, then it'd let's say, let's say,
0: you know, you're, you're, you're building, let's say a Voron and you want to have those, some of those parts 3D printed instead Mm -hmm. of, you know, ABS. Yeah. They definitely would be more stable.
1: I would think. Yeah.
0: But yeah. At what price?
2: And sometimes components need to have a little bit of flex to them. And by switching over to metal, now there's like no flex at all. So it might end up creating issues that you didn't know that you would have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a very, it's a very <laughs> negative outlook
0: on. on all right.
2: Well, there's a reason why people don't do it too often. <laughs> <laughs> I always figured, figured
1: I always figured
0: I always figured cost was the the biggest contributing factor to
1: it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I, I hear I hear metal three D printing and fifty thousand dollar furnaces and hundred thousand dollar printing machines. I, I'm looking at stuff that I'm thinking it's going to be very expensive to get something decent quality. That's uh, that's all I can really say to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But all right, you guys done with that one? All right, we'll move on. We'll move on. We've got another question here, and this is from Braden, And he's uh, asking the old age old bamboo lab printer question. Nice. But he says, I want some advice. I'm looking at a bamboo lab printer, but I'm wondering if it's a jump from the P1S to the X1C. I run a small print farm for a vendor craft show business. I primarily print PLA, PETG, and TPU but I enjoy closed printers. So the P1P and A1 are out of the picture for me. He says he's watched mm-hmm. review after review of the people that love the P1S and some don't, especially because of the screen and the camera. Is the camera that bad and is the screen <laughs> that big of a headache? Do I, do I spend the extra money for a better camera, LiDAR, hardened steel, extruder, nozzle, and touchscreen? Or am I better off buying a P1S and saving myself money. JJ P1S
1: P1 I have heard directly from bamboo people that the print quality is the same off these printers. So I would bet I wouldn't upgrade. Yeah. yeah. Um for you're spending so much more to get an older machine um, and the camera, I do think YouTubers complain about cameras cause we all constantly <laughs> work on probably. cameras and resolution and <laughs> all these things We're constantly, we would love to be able to take time lapses out of the P1P and upload them straight to YouTube, but it's bad quality. So we can't like publish those time lapses cause they're not good enough for most of us. Yeah. Um, so that's why we complain about them. But for like basic monitoring of it, it's fine. It's Fine. Yeah. yeah. So I'm
0: getting, <laughs> you know, one frame every two seconds.
1: All right. Yeah. It's like, I okay. can look at it and go, "Yeah, it's okay. It's working I don't right need now." To watch it. Two seconds later, it's still working. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Uh, well, what about what about the lidar? I can't see that helping anything.
0: Well, you guys have both have the K1 Maxes, right?
1: Yeah. And there I is use, LIDAR. I turn it off because it takes up too much of the it will decrease the amount of bed volume you can use if you print the LIDAR section By how of calibration. Much? Uh, you know, 10 like millimeters. A quarter of it. <laughs> Ten <laughs> millimeters. <laughs> or I mean no, 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 sorry. Uh probably forty or fifty millimeters. No, that's not too bad. Yeah. It's a big bed. It's, it's a like, big bed, yeah. But 300? and it's a whole it takes extra time and it prints great without it. So yeah, I need yeah. to do more tests on it because I haven't used it in a while, and so I need to. Because there's been more, new firmware, so I should look back into that.
0: See That's how fair enough.
1: Updated it. What,
0: what do you think about the lidar, Nathan?
2: I think um, it's um. kind of useless. <laughs> <laughs> like you get the printer. Like what does it do? <laughs>
0: like, I, I have no. Yeah. I really don't know. I. I it's from just, what I understand. It's it's scanning the the. The filament that's laid out Uh for certain defects. It's a
1: pressure advance. It it does your lines. It scans it and figures out which pressure advance value to use. But most of the time, you can just calibrate your printer by printing the lines and saying, okay, use a 0.06. And then you enter that into the file and you're good for the life of the printer. (laughs) (laughs) Or until you change nozzles or something, you know. But pretty much one set value is good enough. And you don't need to recalibrate it every single print, anyways. Uh,
0: explain the the nuts and bolts of us of it to us, Nathan.
1: Oh,
2: of uh, lidar or pressure yeah. advance, lidar. So, so the lidar, it's just it has a laser that projects a line, and then it has a camera <laughs> that looks straight down and looks at the, you know, the distorted shape of that line. So if you're if you're projecting that line onto like uh a perfectly flat plane then it'll look like a line. So but, the
0: lidar the lidar has a different camera just for that.
2: Yeah, it has like a tiny little camera module okay. as far as I understand. Mm-hmm. So that's I, just pointing I, yeah. down and looking at the the pattern that the the laser projects onto the whatever you're looking at. Okay. All right. It what? could be it could be really useful maybe sometime in the future, but for now I think I don't know.
0: Now, yeah. some of these printers also have the the supposedly have the AI where it can sense, you know, the spaghetti monster, which I imagine if you're doing if you had a print farm, that would be I would think valuable to some degree, right?
1: Yeah, I think the automatic uh, spaghetti detector is a cool thing to have turned Does on. Does it work? Um, it's caught a few things um but for the most part no yes. no I, I, I you know if your prints work then you don't have any issues with it the only okay, time so, i've
0: ever yeah. had the you know quote unquote spaghetti detector go off was on my ender 5s1
2: and was it actually spaghettiing, or yes was it
0: just, okay yes the, the the sonic pad picked it up
1: hmm. oh yeah I had that one to false detect on me. I, re- I do remember that. <laughs> That's the only that time I've familiar. ever had
0: a, a camera that supposedly had the, you know, I've had prob I've had a few, I going not say problems. I've had a few on the K one. The it's got a camera. It's got the little thing checked. Um, I don't know if it works or not. And the bamboo the same way. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it works or not.
1: Yeah. So, I have for- had it catch. It does the pre-check where like it makes sure nothing is on the build volume, and so if you send a print to it and you forgot to take the last print off of the bed, then it'll be like, "Error, there's something on the bed," which is kind of a nice thing to have it catch and detect your own little goofs. I think that would be handy. You were gonna say yeah. something, Nathan?
2: Yeah. So does that run on the cloud? Like it it beams the video back to their servers and they analyze the pictures, or how? I don't.
1: I don't know if it's a local.
2: Because that's wild, my uh, issue with like recommending bamboo printers. I've always kind of been a little bit opposed to using them for professional use, just yeah, because this is one, with the
1: K one. Uh, but yeah, I don't know what the K. Yeah. How, the, how or I don't know how they use them differently between the bamboo or Creality. I imagine
2: hmm. both of them would beam it to somewhere else to analyze, but I'm not sure.
1: I could do a test. I can turn off yeah. my Wi-Fi and.
2: Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, my background, I did a lot of professional, like CAD modeling and, and developing models for proprietary systems. And I would never use, like, especially a server that was not, like, Owned I didn't buy you. Yeah, like, <laughs> it, it has to be local. And sending data over the cloud is just like completely unacceptable and would probably result in me getting fired. So,
1: mm-hmm.
2: like, I have a I have a severe... Uh, response to any time I hear about doing professional work and it going over the cloud, so I'm just like ah. So that's probably been my biggest gripe about Bamboo Lab printers is that a lot of their services are based on cloud functionality, and you know they kind of default you into using that workflow.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, I, I I did not know this, but a couple weeks ago I changed. I, I was probably maybe like a month ago my hard drive guide on my PC. I had to rebuild Mm -hmm. my PC. So I reinstalled Orca slicer, right. Hmm. And it says, you know, downloading the network module. I'm like, okay, that's for the, for it to be able to talk to the printers over the network. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: No, it knows who I am. Yeah. Once I downloaded that network module. Ah. It knows who I am because it populated the entire program with all my settings that I did not back up.
1: Is that a good uh. thing or a bad thing?
2: I don't know. I just don't know if that's <laughs> for a hobbyist. I think it's a good thing for professional use. I'm not sure. Like, I should have yeah. said
1: yes on that because Orca Slicer kept forgetting my settings every time <laughs> I would close the program. <laughs> I couldn't figure out how to save files. Uh, the settings were wouldn't save for me. So maybe mm. but I, I but, wasn't but if they, the if cloud. they
0: know all my settings they know the stuff i'm sending over right but it's yeah. not really glo- it's not going in the cloud though is it my files no it's it's local but the software is hooked into a network somewhere yeah and i didn't know that yeah actually i think it's hooked up to the bamboo cloud
2: yeah, that's what the networking uh, yeah. plugin is. So the whole yeah. deal with that networking plugin is so Bamboo basically forked Prusa yeah. Slicer. So they took the code base from Prusa Slicer to base their own Slicer off of it. And instead of building in the network functionality into the Slicer, which would require them to open source all the networking, you know, features and plugins and stuff that they developed, they decided to have a quote unquote, separate program that runs on top of, you know, Orca, whatever, Orca Slicer, Bamboo Studio that has all of the network code on it. So it's like, really, it's just a technicality to get around open sourcing your stuff.
0: Mm. Do they, they have to do that just to use Wi-Fi on a local network?
2: I believe so.
1: Yeah. Huh.
2: Yeah, this these are the things that like I've always been a little bit skeptical of Bamboo Lab about, and they kicked me off their affiliate program. So now I'm just going full hog. Like, <laughs> oh, I, I was
0: I, I'm trying to open the door for you, Nathan. Okay, because you had a wonderful rant about the uh, the A1 problem.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, the uh, the, <laughs> the bed cable catching on fire and whatnot. So was it the
1: bed cable or the power cable? It's the, it's the cable
2: going from the base of the machine into the heated bed. So they're running AC power to the heated bed. Oh, um, which, you know, that's a lot of companies don't do that because that's a little bit hazardous. If you Mm. have that cable, that's flexing over and over again, break down, then you can get arcing, you can get sparking, you can have stuff catch on fire. Um, which is wonderful on a machine that poops flammable pieces of PLA all over itself.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, you know the thing is uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna stand on the, the this side of the fence and say that Bamboo found the problem and they've handled it wonderfully. They've taken care of everybody and everybody is all happy <laughs> and everything is nothing but. Unicorn farts and rainbows. My 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 whole issue with it is, is they first came out and said it was users that did it.
1: Yeah. I thought oh, that yeah. was... Wow.
0: If you read the original blog post, it's like, well, it's you guys did it. You installed it properly. You laid it on its back instead of on its side.
2: Yeah. I lay every printer I have on its side or on its back, or you know, you flip it around well, to get access to, to parts. Well, I, the I
0: purposely attach cords to it, so I can put the printer on top of it and bend the cords just to see how durable they are. Who the hell does that? Everybody knows you don't do that, right? Mm. I was being sarcastic. Then. But um,
2: <laughs>
0: I, 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 I did have a problem with that. I am glad they're taking care of people.
2: Yeah, but there's this whole... Like tons of people are just like, I don't care, I'm just gonna keep using it.
0: <laughs> yeah. And and, and I'm fine, and I'm fine with that, and I see that end of it too. And um but I I don't like how it was handled originally. But they did they did come through in the end. Fair enough.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. All right. Well I think uh that's the last question. Any anything else you guys yeah. want to discuss? Nathan? JJ?
2: Well, I mean, aside from all of our wonderful questions, I think uh, we can catch them next time. Yeah,
0: Yeah. we've we've still got some more. And uh, we do appreciate all the questions that that people do send us. And we definitely live on your questions. So uh, I think that's going to do it. Let me find where I am in this thing here. All right. And uh, again, thanks. And remember, we really need questions and participation from you, the listener. So, if you have a question for our panel, go to perfectfirstlayer.com. There's a button that says submit. Go there and submit your question. Uh, You can also email us at
1: perfectfirstlayer at gmail.com. Nice.
0: (laughs) And where can you be found at, JJ?
1: I'm just not in your basement. At JJ Shankles. Currently in the basement, usually in the basement. (laughs) Publicly on YouTube. Publicly on YouTube. Yeah,
2: um, I'm on YouTube. Just look up Nathan Builds Robots. All right.
0: And that's me. And uh, I can be found at Guy's Shop on YouTube and Guy's Woodshop pretty much everywhere else. All right, so thanks so much, guys. And uh, we'll talk to you in a couple weeks.
1: Bye. See ya.